This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Clegg's Petty Pilferer Prevention Cameras. Keep an eye on your stock with Clegg's Petty Pilferer Prevention Cameras. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? So, uh, today is Wednesday, June 3rd. Hi. Hi. And, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't sound as free as I normally do. Do I? No, I'm, I'm not feeling as free as I normally am either. Um, you know, t- today, uh, it's been a rough week for everyone, um, but obviously especially for our black friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, um, strangers. You know, uh, it, it's, it, it's been a really rough week. Um, we, t- just today, they made the announcement that the other three officers are also being charged, and uh, Chauvin was, had his charges increased to second degree. The man who killed George is, Floyd. The man who murdered George yeah. Floyd. It, it, is a, it is a good start. It's somewhere. It shows us that protesting works, but um, there's just been, we've all just been exposed to a lot of very um, scary footage, very eye-opening footage. You know, I think that, you know, speaking for myself, I obviously knew what happened to Tamir Rice and to Sandra Bland and to Philando Castile. Trayvon and, Martin. And Trayvon Martin. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm speaking specifically about police, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I knew cerebrally that that happened and that things like that happened in this country. But I think that just seeing the sheer volume of it in such a short period of time where it's just so clear cut that these, these so-called peace officers are smiling and they're getting off on it and they enjoy it. Like it's a game to them. Yeah. So I'll I'll just, I want to jump in to say like, you've, you've reached that does suit madam, a podcast about are you being served? And obviously this is going to be a different episode because Jeff and I were talking before we, hit the record button. Um, you know, like with all that's going on right now, is it a good day to record a podcast about this show that we love so much and is so much fun? And I said to him, you know, like if we're going through this, I bet you the listeners are too. Like we're all Americans and people around the world. We're all watching the news and we all see what's going on. So instead of just saying silent and, and, you know, stewing and watching the news, I said, why don't we record an episode and we'll talk about it. You know, that's what podcasts are about. You can talk about things and we'll get to the episode. But I think if Jeff and I, you know, we talked about it and we agreed if, if we're feeling this, you know, the, the listeners probably are too. So that's kind of what the episode is today. We'll get to the episode, but, you know, with the fun of the show, um, when something happens this monumental in America, um, when people are dying and brutality is happening and you think the 60s were gone and buried and we overcame them, but now the world, especially the state, seems to be almost reliving it. We kind of thought we'd just talk about it. So that's kind of what the episode is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is going to be a little bit of a different episode. We'll, we'll try and talk about the show as much as we can and especially where it's relevant. Um, you know, and and as, and as hard as it is for us, you know, we're not trying to 
make any of our fans do the emotional labor for us. We're not asking anyone to wade through our white tears. If you don't have the spoons to listen to it, you know, maybe, you know, put us on pause for a week and then come back when you're uh, also, um, you know, ready for a distraction or to hear what we have to say. So, yeah. And, you know, I'll say that what we try to do on the podcast is give space to these fantastic episodes of the show we love that's 50 years old. Um, and part of that is, especially with Jeff, because he's so professorial, is we'll dive into the culture of the time and what happened that week in that year, just so we can have a taste of you know, what was going on. When this originally aired over the BBC, what was going on with the lives of those people, those men and women of the UK, so we can kind of understand some of the jokes more and like the OPEC oil crisis. Why was that? What was that? You know, so the, the jokes mean more and the show means more when you know what's going on. So in a similar light, we can't not think about what's going on today in the United States in 2020 in um, May and uh, May and June of 2020. So it just seemed natural for us to kind of talk about it for our own sakes. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of you folks I don't know. Maybe you you need to hear what we're saying and have a good 45 minutes of time where you can kind of just ponder it and hear people discussing it. We're not political hacks. We're not like pundits. We don't have a cable news show. We're we're not running for office. Um, We're just two folks who try to be aware of what's going on in the world. And how can you not be aware of this thing? It's, it's, um, it's got a lot of people talking and, um, and it's just, it's a conversation that we've needed to have, right? Yep. So, so okay. So to all our listeners, um, Black Lives Matter. Yep. Please remember that. And um, let's talk about what was happening in uh, April 1974 uh, when this episode premiered on April 4th. Um, that week in the news, um, relevant, uh, 20,000 people marched on Boston. Uh, to protest against desegregated busing. Uh, There was a, well, frankly, racist group that was formed called Restore Our Alienated Rights, which was designed to protect the vanishing rights of white citizens. um, I think I've heard that a time or two before, right? They didn't want to um, bus their kids to a different school in order to uh, mix with, with children of other colors. Yeah. And, you know, that was 50 years ago. That's, you know, not that long ago that the the races were so like the blacks and the whites and well, I guess the blacks and everyone else were so separated in life that the only way that they would ever mix is um, if they would have to go from their black neighborhood into a white school, you know, and this happened. Well, it was usually the other way around. It was usually the other way around. And that's what these people were protesting is that they were busing the white kids into quote unquote black schools uh, yeah. in black neighborhoods. Yeah. I was watching a, um, a um, infographic cartoon like video on Facebook just the other day talking about racism and like system systemic kind of things. And they talked about property taxes and how your property taxes feed the school. So if you live in a redlining, yeah, red, well, redlining All about too. Redlining. But like, if you live in a underserved kind of part of the town where the, the properties are very low value, uh, where you know historically African American people tend to live because those were usually only places they could get loans. 
the schools aren't going to be great. And I was thinking, gosh, why don't they just level that? But, you know, like make it all equal. But, hey, I'm not a, I'm not a king nor queen, although some would. Uh, would I beg to differ. <laughs> See, we can make jokes. We try. We try. Yeah. So um, interesting how so, that was happening 50 years ago. Yeah. In uh, slightly more positive news <laughs> that week also, uh, Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record. Uh, and he held that for quite some time. I think Barry Bonds only broke it. Was that the nineties, the two thousands? How long this ago was that? This is four times too butch for me. I don't even know what sport yeah. this is. Uh, you know what sport this is? Home run record, wiffle ball, <laughs> tether ball, <laughs> tether ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I guess in slightly more gay news, um, ABBA won Eurovision that year with their song Water. There we go. See, that's that's more my speed. So I would just like to jump in before we kind of getting into the, deeper into the show. Um, something I've done in the past, and I think I'm going to do after we say goodnight, is uh, donate to the NAACP. Um, you know, if you want to go and make a donation and you feel like, what can I do? Well, while I'm watching my TV and listening to cool podcasts, you know, throw some throw some clams at you know an um, LGBT or or even better yet, like a, an African-American advocacy organization. Um, and and I, I kind of said LGBT as a slip of the tongue, but, um, you know, 51 years ago, we had a Stonewall riot in June 1969, and that's what Pride Parades celebrate every year, because that's in June to celebrate that. Um, this year, I would hope that 51 years from now, people will look back and, oh, remember that summer in 2020, that's when it started, you know? So, yeah. you know, um, your money can go places and it will make you feel good. You know, it's, you know. Well, I mean, like, you know, let's, you know, it, it's donating right now isn't about making you feel good. Although that is a really nice side effect for those of us who are able yeah, to totally um, unplug yeah. and need something. But, you know, think, think about where you want the money to go to. You know, are you looking at trying to help on the front lines and help the people who are protesting. You know, uh, are you looking at donating to an advocacy organization that is going to change laws, either at your local level or your state level or whatever? Um, definitely recommend going to um, Black, Lives La- Black Lives Matter movement on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure if you dig deep in there and look around, um, you'll be able to find some... Uh, some interesting places to read up on yeah. and do your research and figure out where to donate. Um, I, I actually chose to donate earlier this week to some uh, Minnesota organizations, you know, because right uh, there where, where George Floyd, the hard work happened. Yeah. Uh, so um, Black Visions and Reclaim the Block are both two uh, really great organizations to look into mm-hmm. that are looking to change um, uh, how. Uh, Looking to change into community-led p- policing with civilian oversight. Okay, that's great. That's a good uh, so, idea. Yeah. And I, I, so. I jump in to say, you know, in the same breath as, like, make donations to community organizations, um, a lot of the people who set the, the tone of how communities are policed and what uh, oversight feels like are people in local elections. And we've never really talked about real overt politics or voting and stuff. Um, but you know, one of the, one of the most powerful things you can do is register to vote, 
if you're an American, go and do that. I mean, hell, if you're anywhere in the world, go and do it, of course. But um, register to vote. And um, if this is something you feel strongly about, the people who represent you in your city town, your city or village, your city council, um, your state, they have a, you know, each state has its own government. And those laws probably affect you just as much, if not more, than federal laws because we're all states, right, in America. So there's a lot of people who represent every one of us in the states. Um, if, this is, if, if, if police brutality and Black Lives Matter and the killing of, of, gay, of, of uh, black men and, and you know, all f- folks, of course, is something you feel very strongly about, the people who you need to speak to and who want to hear from you about this are your elected officials, you know, from the Fed, from the presidency down to your city council person who probably lives on the street you live on. So that's something I'd also say is if, if you feel strongly about this, make it an issue. And if they don't really know much about it, it's your job to make sure they do know about it and that they know your opinion and they hear from you because you are their boss. And, um, it's a groundswell movement, right? You know, it's, it's a grassroots thing that if this comes from the bottom and goes to the top, then that's how big societal movements like this happen. So register to vote, the end. <laughs> Wanted to get that in there. All right. So um, let's try to talk about the episode a little bit. <laughs> what a novel idea. <laughs> what a novel idea. All right. So... Um, Mrs. We start the episode with Mrs. Slocum trying to sell some underwear to uh, a woman who seems to be taking a really long time to choose something as banal as underwear. Uh, and so she finally gives her the ultimatum. It's either cold and interesting with holding up a little pair of bikinis or warm and safe in these with a big pair of bloomers. <laughs> or as we learned from an earlier episode, directoire. That's Nichols. right. Who like, like Minnie Mouse wears. Yeah. So, um, uh, so the woman is still hemming and hawing, and uh, Mrs. Brahms snarkily says, well, why don't you come back tomorrow and then look at them again? And the woman's <laughs> very, you know, th- thinks it's a great idea, uh, to which Mrs. Slocum's like, well, you don't want to rush into these things, Buying you underwear. fussy old bat. <laughs> right. Yeah. Again, if you've ever worked retail, they'll, there are people who are kind of, mm, what's the word? You think they they go shopping for like a pastime and like why are you here? There's really no reason for you to not buy this. But <laughs> oh well. um, so over uh, on the other side, um, Mr. Lucas is trying to. He's got a hot date, and I think it's with Miss Brahms, isn't it? Um, so he's wanting to go leave like at the stroke of five thirty, and of course Captain Peacock, in his uh, debonair, slightly graying at the temples way walks over and says, uh, Mr. Lucas, what time do you have? And he's like, uh, it's 5.28. And then there's this whole, like, territory thing where, well, what do, what do you, what time do you have, Mr. Humphreys? Oh, I think it's uh, 5.25. Well, well the, the, yeah. the, the, he goes, um, Mr. Humphreys, have you the time? Uh, to which Mr. Humphreys, well, it depends what you had in mind. Oh, that's right. I completely you know, forgot. You're so good. Always ready with a, a nice quip. <laughs> yeah, and then they say, the, well, uh, since no one has the correct time, let's ask the senior salesperson. And then they see um, Mr. Granger putting on his hat and says, good evening, Captain Peacock, as he runs for the elevator for the lift. It's so cute. Right. Yeah, he, uh, he's not wasting yeah. time. Yeah, so Mr. Rumbold comes out, stops him from all going home uh, because he's got you know, a short announcement 
Never ends up being short. Uh, it turns <laughs> out that there's been a little bit of shoplifting uh, from the store recently. And so, um, you know, just yesterday, Mrs. Slocum informed me that she's had her skirt lifted. Oh. Uh, and again, we get Mr. Humphrey as well. Some people Some have, people all, have the all the luck. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was very Paul Lind of you right there. I don't know what you mean. Um, So Mr. Rumbold introduces Mr. Clegg Who sponsored uh, the program today Who did sponsor the program Um, He was formerly from the Incredible Investigation Department Oh, police, how relevant Mm. Um, I I guess started his own security firm And so they're going to be installing security cameras And they're going to be doing random baggage checks uh, In order to help reduce um, shoplifting in the store uh, and so Mr. Clegg is inspecting everyone on the way out. He dumps Mrs. Slocum's laundry on the counter. Uh, he sees a suspicious bulge in Mr. Humphrey's pants, and it turns out to be an orange. Get your mind out of the gutter, Mr- listeners. He says that he eats an orange on the train every day as it's the only way to get a seat. And I didn't get that joke. Is that because it makes a mess with the peels and the juice and everything? Yeah, or is I there- mean, if you, if, uh, I don't know. Like I've, I've been on the subway in New York before COVID would stop that from, from, from me doing that ever again. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, if someone's eating food and like, I don't know, it gets kind of sticky. Yeah, I guess you smells. never want to sit next to someone who's eating on the train. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I get that. Um, and so one by one, they were all getting dismissed. Um, well, uh, Captain Peacock has his, uh, uh, has his bag searched and Mr. Clegg comes across a mask that if you can imagine any cartoon, any Bugs Bunny cartoon or of the il- that same ilk, what a robber wears, right? If you think about that black eye mask, raccoon-like, like the Hamburglar, uh, he's got one of those. And he's got a pair of, like, striped pajamas. Oh, right. Right. A- as if a real burglar would actually wear that. <laughs> um, yeah. Because it turns out he's going to a fancy dress masquerade, or as we say in the States, a costume party. Um, so... Uh, yeah, what did he say? They're getting, it's completely innocent. You see, I bought it from a costumier. I love that he said costumier, you know. He did say costumier, <laughs> yeah. Throwing that French word yes, there. of course. Um, and then Mr. Rumble just absentmindedly picks up the scarf off the counter that still has got the tag on it, and he's got to explain it to Mr. Clegg in his office. Um, Lucas gives us a little bit of a Columbo impersonation, which is pretty spot yeah, on. So he does Columbo, a pretty good American accent. For the young folks, Columbo, I'm trying to describe it. He was sort of like a middle-aged, kind of scruffy looking. He was probably from like Philadelphia or something, the the character. I don't know. Uh, he kind of had a way of talking. Good question. I, I want to say... Uh, no, I want to see, he might have been from Chicago, but I feel like the show took place in California. Oh, okay. I just remember him. Uh, he had a very unique voice kind of talking like this. Yep, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. But he always wore like a, um, that coat. What's it called? The, the, the khaki coat with the, with the belt. The over, an overcoat. An over, yeah, an overcoat. Yeah. Um, and it was like. Played, played by Peter Falk, by the way, in case you haven't put two and two together. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but. Yeah. Um, and so Columbo, what Columbo was known for is that he would, um, he would do like, and another thing, right? He'd like think that he was finished interrogating a, a suspect or something. And then he'd stop and turn around and say, oh, one more thing. And then like stitch the entire crime together a la, um, murder she wrote. Mm. Right. Uh, that was his, that was what he was known for. Um, so we, he, Mr. Lucas gives a pretty good Colum- Columbo impression. 
Uh, and then the next day, we see Mr. Mash setting up the, um, the closed-circuit TV in Mr. Rumble's office and teaching him how to use it. And immediately, Rumble starts spying on all the staff. Yeah. Right? He sees... So I'll just say, so in the, in the episode, um, petty pilfering is happening. And I love how uh, Mr. Rumble comes out, and he kind of does this thing where he always says... Um, some horrible statistic about Britain going down the tubes, right? Um, 600 million pounds. 600 million pounds has been lost from petty pilfering. The other episode, um, it took 6 million years to make fossil fuels and men have ravaged them. You know, like he always says, like, this is the horrible thing that we have to react to. Uh, So then his his, uh, solution is to make up a private security camera system and that he has a giant, like, old-fashioned TV on his desk, which literally takes up half the desk. Like, he can't do his job well, I'm sure it was very modern Oh, yeah, time, yeah, exactly. Right? But, um, you know, of course, they have, like, this, this cute, like, big blue prop that they have as the camera with, like, cameras on, like, four directions. And it, I think it had, like, iridescent blue paint or something because to make it look high-tech. I don't know. Right. But, uh, oh, yeah, it, w- it was definitely not very... Um, very subtle because all the staff pointed it out and figured out where it was immediately. Definitely not hidden, right? Yeah, and, um, and I'll, I'll just say too, you know, this is like I said, this is a different episode of the podcast. Um, as I was watching this this episode um, of Are You Being Served, it hit me that the idea of the staff being kind of put upon, upset by having a camera on them at work, was almost quaint because now. CCTV is everywhere in my apartment building. Take... Like I can't even leave my apartment. Even this the hallway, they have little cameras that go into the units. Like, why do you need to see who's in the hallway? I don't know. And, and it's even even more so in the UK. You can't take, you know, ten steps down the street without three different cameras being on you. You know, yeah. and I guess you know to some degree, um, you know, it's had some success at increasing safety, but. At what cost, you know, but then again, it's a different society over there. Um, they don't have their police spraying pepper spray at its own citizens. And, you know, the, the, the foot patrol don't carry uh, any weapon harder than a baton most times. So. And you don't have um, I don't know. the military invading the national capital because the prime minister thought it would make him look, look powerful. Right. Yeah. So for a nice photo op with a Bible he's holding upside down, I, I, I overheard a soundbite where one of the as soon as he arrived on scene um, in front of the church, one of the <clears throat> one of the reporters, one of the reporters asked, um, is that your Bible? And he retorted back, it's a Bible. And if that doesn't tell you um, everything you need to know, then just log off. Or- <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so Mr. Rumbold is spying on his staff. He sees uh, Miss Brahms adjusting her tights and sees Captain Peacock come up and goose her from behind. Uh, Mr. Lucas is having a cigarette out on the floor and he's just appalled at the laxity of, ever, of everything that's going on. It's you know, no surprise that there is a petty pilfer somewhere. Um, word is making its way around the department about the hidden cameras and the staff plan to kind of play it up and ham it up for the cameras. Uh, which I feel is really relevant today because we're all having to learn to do that. Uh, those of us who have office jobs and are working from home with all of our meetings being on 
Zoom or Microsoft Teams, mm-hmm. yeah. it's a completely different way of communicating where you have to exaggerate some of your body language or if you talk with your hands or find it hard to turn off the fact that you know that you're performing for the camera at all times, you know? So yeah. it's really interesting that they, um, that they chose to kind of ham it up so that their boss would see that they're making sales. But it was so. really, I mean, it's interesting because I do Zoom and, and, and Teams video stuff. And when you're at home and you're, um, you're uh, you know, working, you have kind of just an expressionless face, right? Um, and you're working and working. But when you're in the office, like, I don't know, like, I don't think I look, like, I'll notice on the, on the screen when I'm on a Zoom call and I'm, you know, it's just me, I'll look kind of, eh, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, but then, like, I don't think I look like that when I'm in the office and nothing's going on and I'm not in a meeting. But I don't know, there's something, it, it certainly does not replace Zoom meetings and all that stuff does not replace being in person, you know, because you do yeah. have that interaction and it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, um, you know what? I'm a little, I'm feeling a little peckish. How about you? Yes, I am too. Why don't we head down to the canteen for a tea break? Yeah. In fact, I'm not going to have anything to eat. I'm not going to have any tea. I'm actually going to go on a website and figure out a good place to make a donation. And that's going to (laughs) help some other people. And, you know, I'm in a lucky place where I can do that. It won't be a big one, but, you know, it'll be what I can afford. So why don't we go down and see if we can get a table and we'll come right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag. Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com. Imfree.threadless.com. And you've all done very well. Hey, listeners, instead of our usual ad, this week Brandon and I wanted to tell you about uh, the Okra Project, uh, where we just made a donation instead of our usual ad. Uh, It's a New York City based organization that fights food insecurity and pays black trans chefs to go into the homes of black trans people and cook them a healthy meal at no cost to the recipient. Uh, they also do free meal delivery to people who are homeless or don't have space in their homes for meal preparation by a chef. Yeah, so instead of having a regular um, little ad in the middle of our episode, we wanted to do something and kind of give back. So uh, we hope you join us in making a donation as well. You can do so at theokraproject.com. That's okra spelled O-K-R-A. So again, theokraproject.com and make a donation. Thanks a lot. Okay. Hey, we're back from our, uh, our break, our canteen. So we made a donation. So that was good. So, um, there we are. Welcome back, Jeff. All right. So, um, when we come back, we see 
Uh, everyone's serving their customers, and they are straight up mugging for the cameras. Um, (laughs) There is audio on these cameras, and Mrs. Slocum puts on this very haughty accent where she's serving modem. Good morning, modem. Good morning, modem, where it's just she's... (laughs) She's making her uh, vowels all kinds of tense uh, and <laughs> yeah. really, really trying. Um, Mr. Mash comes on the floor wearing his best suit, and you see Captain Peacock dismiss him with like a very big gesticulated point. Away uh, with you, Mr. Mash. Away with you. Um, <laughs> and we yeah. flash into Mr. Rumble's office, and he's giving a play-by-play to his secretary who's taking notes. And she could not be arsed. She is so bored by the whole thing that she's well, it, just probably scribbling down something. Yeah, I love it. It's 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 so it's such a very subtle acting job by the by the um, secretary by the secretary that um, you can tell that he has been doing this all day long. All you day. Know? And what I also wanted to say is when Captain Peacock was speaking with um, Mr. Mash, Mr. Mash came in. You know, Mr. Mash, what are you doing on the floor? Like he always does. And I love that he always comes in like he knows he's not supposed to just to kind of get Captain Peacock's goat. Um, <laughs> but as um, as Captain Peacock um, says, away with you, Mr. Mash. And then Mr. Mash kind of like hesitates. And then somehow he's like looking up to the camera and trying to ham for the um, for the camera and then like bumps into a counter or something with all these dummies and stuff falling down. And then Captain Peacock again looks at the same camera that Mr. Mash was mugging for and said and says very loudly, I did try to warn him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so cute. And if I could um if it pleases the court, I just wanted to uh, give a little slight shout out um to uh, a listener. So we have another listener named Jeff who gives us lots of good little tidbits super and stuff. Super fan. Super, super fan, fan, Jeff. Jeff you're a super fan. Um, and I just wanted to give him credit because there was a joke um, oh, several episodes ago where camping in. Remember that joke where we didn't know what they were saying? And I just wanted to give really quick, really quick little shout-out because I did some research on it. The joke was the idea where they're all going to go camp out on the floor, all the men and women together in camps, right? Mrs. H- Mrs. Slocum says, well, we can't kip down like Sodom and Gomorrah, like, you know, the men and women sleeping on the floor together. And then Mr. Humphreys says, something, 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 Swan and Edgar. And Jeff and I, in the show, if you go back to listen to the Camping In episode, we have no idea what they were saying. Swally Legger, Boggly Tabber, we, we don't know. So um, we posted it on the episode, uh, and we spoke about it, and we had a listener, Jeff, who came in and said, oh, yeah, you're talking about Swan and Edgar. Here's a link. So Swan and Edgar, so thank you, Jeff, for kind of solving the mystery. Swan and Edgar is a department store in Piccadilly Circus, and it's, it's long gone now. I think it used to be the Virgin Megastore in London. But in the 60s, Swan and Edgar, and I did, there's a really interesting book called Dilly, A History of Piccadilly Rent Boys, which is rather salacious, uh, by Jeremy Reed. Anyway, so in this book, I learned that uh, Swan and Edgar is kind of like a, 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 a Grace Brothers store, uh, what, what they're trying to be. And um, they used to have kind of like slightly gay, kind of prostitute young gentleman on the sidewalk. So it definitely in 1973, 74 had a kind of chartreuse pink 
um, reputation. So that is why Mr. Humphreys would have said something about Swan and Edgar, and everyone in London would know exactly what he was talking about. So it's a super very minute, weird thing, but I just wanted to throw that in there because I did research and I wanted to show off. So that's all. The end. See, see, both of us can do research, Jeff. It's not just you, you know. So speaking of suspicious <laughs> characters who oh. are uh, lurking around Piccadilly Circus, yeah. Mr. Humphreys thinks he sees someone hanging out in the 42 longs. Uh-oh. Um, and this person is dressed like the caricature of a 1970s shoplifter. He's got longish hair, a bushy mustache, a cap, an overcoat. I'm going to uh, blow your mind. Guess who he looks like? He, he literally looks like this. Sonny Bono like, from the 60s. He looks a little bit like Sonny Bono, but I was going to go with Gallagher. You know that oh, comedian yeah, yeah, yeah. that the, used the, to the like the watermelons? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, That's who I thought he looked like. Interesting. So um, all the staff go over to the women's department, and they're keeping an eye on this guy, and he's literally putting something into a suitcase, right? <laughs> Not even like a satchel with like a pound sign on it, like he's like stealing money. <laughs> or, like, some other kind of bag. It is a suitcase. It is a valise that you would, like, check in at Heathrow Airport. Yeah. And so Peacock, they, they all say that Peacock should go after the shoplifter, and he's hemming and hawing. And Mrs. Slocum says, weak as water. Go and tackle uh, him. Grabs a, grabs a mannequin and hits the petty pilferer over the head. And I love how the man, Mr. Granger says, Captain Peacock, I think we have a petty pilferer. Just like that. I love how he doesn't open his mouth. When he gets really um, angry or when he's trying to be um, a little... Um, uh, incognito. He's trying to keep incognito, right? He just talks <laughs> through his teeth and doesn't open his mouth. Um, so Mrs. Slocum smashes uh, the mannequin over the guy's head <laughs> and it turns out it's Mr. Clegg. Oh, no. What a mistake. He, he was testing the cameras while Mr. Rumbold was watching all along. So the staff are gathered in Mr. Rumbold's office to get, you know, a tongue lashing. And he lists off all of the things that he's seen them do. Mm. And the staff didn't know that they could see, see that far, you know, behind the, um, behind the counter and that he was keeping such a, a tight eye on them. So they're all against the cameras, right? So they right. hatch up a scheme um, to make Rumbled want to get rid of the cameras. And because he's so addicted to watching this TV, and we also know he's a little bit of a hypochondriac, yeah. they decide to make him think he's taken sick so that um, he's too stressed and he needs to get rid of the cameras for his health. Now that you're saying it out loud, it's, it's a completely nonsensical farce kind of an, of an idea, but it's already being served, so it doesn't matter. But It is a harebrained threes company <laughs> scheme. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's cute because the, the, I guess back then, like you would have doctors come to you or, you know, it was easier for the TV show for a doctor to come to the, to the, to the floor. No, doctors used to make house calls. I know it's crazy. Like, th- through the eighties, they used to regularly make house calls. Jeez. Um, but you know, like he comes in and he's like, well, you're fine. And then as he leaves, um, you know, they kind of, like, I think they get Miss Brahms, like, excuse yep. me, doctor, I think I'm getting a varicose vein. Could you come take a look? And takes him away. So then uh, Mr. Lucas goes and dresses in the same outfit as the doctor. And um, so they, he knows that Mr. Rumbold um, 
will be watching. So he goes to Mr. Humphreys, and of course he's mumbling and trying to sound blah, like he's blah, a doctor. Blah, 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 blah. And then Mr. Humphreys is like, oh, yes, well, you were, you were right not to tell him the, the terrible news. His heart couldn't take it. And, um, the, the stress is just way too much with them since these cameras got installed, right? Planting yeah. the idea in Rumble's head. Yeah. And of course, the whole time they're like looking at the camera and like overacting. It's actually hard for an actor to act while they're acting poorly, if that makes sense. Like Meryl Streep, like she will play an actress in a movie that can't act. And that for Meryl Streep to do is actually really difficult for an actor. It's very to do. difficult to do, yeah. yeah. But, but um, I think I think they all do amazing jobs of like over emoting <laughs> and you know yeah. uh, putting that on so that we know so that we're in on the joke, right? Um, so Mr. Rumbold is having a panic attack in his office because he thinks that he's dying and no one's going to tell him. Um, but the doctor comes back. And so Mr. Rumble's like, you don't have to tell me. Uh, I, I'll get rid of the cameras. Just whatever it takes, I, I want to be well. And so the doctor goes, well, what are you talking about? I just came back to tell you that Miss Brahms has the measles. Okay. Where, where did that come from? Random thing. So random. Random diagnosis. You mean like uh, uh, virus uh, is contagion and people catch oh, it by geez. other people? So relevant these days, right? Oh, um, boy. And then Mr. Lucas gets wind of it and he starts getting nervous because he gave her a peck on the cheek. Doesn't how contagious it is. He's ripping his shirt open and looking for measles spots on his chest. And the episode ends. The end. So so this wasn't as funny an episode as I remember it. And I'm not sure if it's, you know, the current times we're in that just yeah. has me in a little bit of a downer mood. But I feel like my memory is that the, there were a lot more gags with the cameras and then performing with the cameras. And I know that there's the other episode where they have secret cameras, where they have to do the, uh, where Mr. Humphreys does the miming about who wins the waste, the that's, resource, yeah, that's a the good horse one. race. And I know that's a really funny one. Um, but I, I, for some reason, I feel like this one was a little bit more and it you wasn't. Know, yeah. I had the same, I had the same thought. I'm like, Oh, it's already over. Oh, that was it. Um, I just remember the, the footage of them, um, overacting and it was so cute and um i can't remember the little jokes they do but it was kind of if you could do like a greatest hits of the episode just watch them acting for the camera on rumbled's desk basically (laughs) yeah there you go i agree if we had to edit 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 down a clip show that would be like the t- the twenty seconds I'd pull, and you know maybe in a year when we go and watch this again, maybe it would be much more funny because, you know, when the world's kind of a really shithole at the moment, um, it does affect how you view comedy. So how you consume comedy, yeah. yeah. So uh, next week, um, and hopefully the world will be f- free of racism and coronavirus by next week. But I doubt it. I no, doubt it. But. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're making small steps in, in both fronts. But anyway, next week is Hurrah for the Holidays, which is the Series 2 finale. Can you believe it's what? already, already the end of Series two? 2? This was another short series with only five episodes. Um, and this is the one where they try to pick where to go on vacation. That's uh, a really good one. I like where Captain Peacock says, well, there are no no-star hotels. Right. You know, it's it's actually cute. You get an idea of what travel must have been like back in the 70s, a little bit. Right. But, you know, I, the, the the one bad part about this episode, uh, as superfan Jeff Y 
also alluded to is as we were talking about last week about is there ever a bad episode of the series and the bad episode of the series is probably the movie because the movie was just <laughs> a bunch of recycled jokes and um, yeah. this this uh, this episode kind of sets up those jokes to be recycled uh, for mm. a lot of where they're choosing where to go on vacation. Um, so um, so when you need a little bit of a break this week, um, watch Hurrah for the Holidays, toy around with your couscous, and uh, listen in next week when we're ready to uh, talk about it. Yeah. So um, anyway, thanks for bearing with us while we had you know, a different episode and we hope that you feel safe in your community and you have a support network and you're washing your hands and you're using a mask and, you know, hang in there. And, uh, thanks for listening. We love, we love making the podcast and, uh, it's nice to always get people interacting with us. Um, we actually just posted a new poll on our Facebook page. Um, if you go to Facebook, you can search for that does suit madam with an E and you'll see the poll. The poll is, what do you all want to be called, the listeners to the show? As our collective fan base. Yes, what? our collect. So Mariah Carey has the monarchs or the lambs, the toadstools or lambs, lambs. and and <laughs> uh, you know, of course Barry Manila has the fanalos. You know, Ooh, love me one. some Barry. Uh, what do you want to be called? So on the plate so far, and go do it quickly because it does expire. The two choices are the Gracies, which is kind of you know we all love Mr. Young Mr. Grace. And the other one was uh, posited by superfan Heidi on Facebook. The Unanimous. Collectively, the fans would be called The Unanimous. I have a, a favorite. So go and vote and let us know. So you can do that by going to Facebook, which is uh, That Does Suit Madam. Twitter is Does Suit Madam with an E. You can email us at That Does Suit Madam with an E at gmail.com, or you can call the Peacock Hotline. We have been getting some calls. We haven't played any on the air yet, but uh, the phone number is 662-PEACOCK, P-E-A-C-O-C-K. That's 662-732-2625. So uh, with that, why don't we say our new call number, our, our, little, our little saying at the end we're going to start. Ready? One, two, three. You've all done, You've all done very, very well. well. Ah, lovely. So we'll see you next time, folks. Hang in there. Go make a donation that will do some good. And we'll talk to you next time. All right? Thanks for listening. Bye. Black Lives Matter. Bye. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. No salt, MSG, artificial coloring, or flavoring added.